Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. We are continually updating the Black Friday ads as they post, and I want you to know there are a number of sales already underway. We're going to have to call this Black Friday month this year instead of Black Friday week or Black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Deals have rolled out much earlier and for a much longer period of time than we've ever seen before for Thanksgiving shopping for Christmas. Coming up in just a few minutes, I have an update for you on uh, Clark Rage of yesterday, and I have good news for you about something I was really upset about just one day before. And coming up later, there's something I need you to do that you can do in minutes that will free up money in your life every month in 2020. We're going to talk. So I want to share with you something surprising. Okay, roughly 20% of American adults have no credit file at all. None. What they call in the credit industry, thin or no, that there's not enough data on you in order to even establish any idea of what kind of risk you are credit-wise. And then an even larger number of people, approaching more like 25% of American adults, have a bad credit score. So between people who have no credit score and people who have a bad credit score, that's 45% approximately of American adults. And so... There are going to be so many different strategies used by lenders to try to figure out who among that 45% of American adults is actually worth taking a chance on and issuing credit to. The amount of data available today of all different types is so much more sophisticated than the traditional credit reporting that the three behemoths, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, hold on us. So you're going to see more things like the pedal card. The pedal card, if you're not familiar, allows people to, if they meet their criteria that's proprietary, get a credit card even with a no-file, fin-file situation or potentially even if you've had some bad credit in your past. But they're using different formulas to do so. And this is an area everybody's scrambling to figure out because something that happened last decade was that credit scores and credit reporting ended up to be a very inaccurate predictor of who would default on debts or get foreclosed on in their home when the economy fell apart after the banking scandals last decade. So 
you have a huge number of people who may have had scores in the upper 700s or the 800s that went from that to defaulting on multiple debts or having a vehicle repossessed or having a home foreclosed on. And so there's dissatisfaction with traditional methods. So people are trying any of a number of different ways to do so. Experian has something called Lyft that is an experimental thing they're doing with a handful of lenders, somewhere around a dozen or so lenders. And what they do is they use entirely abnormal criteria to decide whether or not you would be safe to lend to. And I saw a Wall Street Journal post about it that the factors they're looking at specifically as a as a base or how you pay your rent that there's a newer belief with so many people in america renting that how you handle your rent payments for your apartment or if you're renting a home how you handle those is apparently a very good predictor of how you'd handle various forms of credit but there's another thing they're doing that i smile about and it is There are so many jobs, depending on the state, more or less, in terms of the number of jobs people hold, that you have to have some kind of professional designation, a professional license. Could even be a hairdresser has to have a state license. That they believe at Experian that they can correlate somebody who has a professional license of any kind is being a lower credit risk, apparently, than people who have a job that you don't have to have a state-issued professional license. Good luck to them. We'll see with all these different criteria, but what I'm happy about is that instead of everything being one-size-fits-all with a traditional credit reporting system and a traditional scoring model that more and more organizations are looking for different ways in order to decide whether you're okay or not and are not putting as much faith in anymore the traditional credit report and traditional score. Sarah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Sarah. So you want to go somewhere fun for Christmas. What are you thinking? Well, we were kind of dreaming of the Caribbean, being on a beach. Um, Just the idea of not wrapping presents and cooking is really um, awesome. And we we haven't done this before, so it's new for us. Um, We have a couple of kids in school, teenagers, and because of another commitment, we have a really sort of limited time frame. We're looking at December 21 through 26. And we're trying to follow your advice. And Well, if you're looking at those dates and you want to go to the Caribbean, um, yeah. which bank branch is closest to you that you can go rob? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Because, because you're talking about huge money that yeah. week okay. to go to the Caribbean. And there, okay. there is an opportunity, though, that is going to sound really counterintuitive, Okay. All right. People have been heavily booking away from the Bahamas 
mm-hmm. which will not be as warm as going into the lower Caribbean. But people have been booking away from the Bahamas as a result of the horrific hurricane that hit mm-hmm. part of the Bahamas island chain earlier this mm-hmm. year. And so mm-hmm. there, most of the hotel infrastructure in the Bahamas was mm-hmm. not touched at all. Most of the condo mm-hmm. infrastructure not touched at all. They're open mm-hmm. for business, but nobody's even thinking about the possibility of going to the Bahamas. So it uh, may be the one fun in the sun place. It's in the South Atlantic, not in the Caribbean, but it may be one fun in the sun place that normally would be cost prohibitive and unavailable that week that you may find availability. Okay. Now, All right. The, the other idea I had that I shared recently on the air is going to Florida, Tampa, and north on the Gulf Coast, and Melbourne, Florida, and north on the Atlantic Coast. That where South Florida, you're talking a peak, peak, peak season week. As you move to Central Florida and up, it's not. Okay. And that could be more affordable. The other thing is completely the opposite of what you asked, and that is, this is going to sound goofy, but looking at the phenomenal deals that have been available to Europe. Hmm. Won't All be right. Won't be warm. Uh-huh. Won't be warm, but it'll be, uh, how old are your kids? They are 15 and 17. Have they been to Europe before? Uh, they have been to Romania and Hungary. Wow. Uh, most people when they go to Europe the first time they go to um, they go to England or France maybe Holland so you took them a more adventurous route but but you sounded not too excited about that let me give you one other place to look at uh, that would take you into the Caribbean okay and that's Cancun all right Um, Cancun has been kind of out because people have been really worried about the uh, drug gang violence, the cartel violence in Mexico. Right. And that has put that on a do not buy list for a lot of people. But as far as the danger in Cancun and the resort area, it's close to zero. Okay. So, well, on that note, what about when you mentioned the Bahamas, when we looked up Nassau, it didn't look like the safest place from what I could tell. Really? Gosh, I've been to Nassau so many times. I've never felt any sense of being unsafe there. Okay, that's good to hear. But I'm probably the wrong one to ask because if you heard about some of the travel misadventures I've had over the years and and uh you know in various countries maybe i'm not the best one to ask so i guess better follow the state department warnings than follow what i would say because i'd say well they haven't been shooting today you know i'm really not the best to ask on that sally's with us on the clark howard show hi sally hi clark it's good to talk to you good to have you here and you have a teenager you want to talk about I actually have two. My youngest is 16, so this will be an issue with her soon. But my older daughter just turned 18 last month, and I'm wondering if it's time to retitle her vehicle in her name and get her off of our insurance policy. So do you use an agent or do you use what's known as a direct writer where you call an 
800 number? I use an agent. Okay, great. Your agent is going to be able to figure that out for you, whether you're, you said 18-year-old? Yes. Is better off um, in terms of the overall cost for your household for auto insurance, whether it's going to get you a better deal if you title that car in the name of the 18-year-old or you're best off having the 18-year-old just as an additional driver in the household of vehicles you have. And I was thinking that besides just cost that, you know, she's a teenage driver and getting her off of our liability would reduce our exposure since we have assets that she that, doesn't have. That is a great question. In many states, you will not be relieved from liability for a teenager by having them titled on the car because if you are considered to be providing 51% or more of the support of your 18-year-old, in other words, they're your dependent, then you are still liable for an accident that your teenager could cause. Good to know. Now, in our household, our uh, she's now 20. She gave up driving and gets everywhere by Uber and Lyft because it turned out it was significantly cheaper for me, for her at college, to get around with Uber and Lyft because she goes to an urban school than it was for her to to have a vehicle and have to insure that vehicle and take care of it and all the rest. It was surprising how much cheaper it was doing Uber and Lyft than have her drive. Well, when she goes to college, we'll look into that, but we live in West Virginia, so it's not West really Virginia, she's yet. not exactly pulling up the app and asking Uber to come get her. I got that. <laughs> So this is something you have to rely on your agent. And if you have significant assets, you probably heard me mention having an umbrella insurance policy. Yes, and we do have one. Um, Do you have just a million or do you have multiple millions in it? I believe it's a million. So if you have substantial assets, a million is not enough for that umbrella. And each additional million is cheaper than the first. When you talk to your agent... See if he or she advises you potentially to raise the amount of umbrella insurance you have, particularly with two teenagers in a household. Uh, That's that's some enhanced risk you got there. (laughs) And you want to protect what you've got. So today's Clark Rageous moment is really something I keep smiling about. And it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people despise the media But it's one of those things where the media made a difference. You probably, if you didn't hear me talk about this yesterday, you probably have heard it elsewhere or seen it elsewhere about the hardworking college student, Jason Gonzalez, 21, lives in Minnesota and has been working his way through college in the most unusual way. He's been driving 270 miles to buy Krispy Kreme donuts in bulk bringing them back to Minnesota where there's no Krispy Kreme, and then selling them at a profit to pay for college. Well, Krispy Kreme banned him from buying donuts because he was not an authorized store or anything. And it became a big brouhaha. And Krispy Kreme, you know, is owned by a European company. 
got time zones and all that and it took them a while to realize how they were getting hammered in the media and so now Krispy Kreme has had a major change of heart and now is appointing Jason as an independent operator whatever that means they created a new job description as an independent operator and he's now allowed to come get the donuts and bootleg them back to Minnesota and sell them and pay for his college and they are giving him 500 boxes of donuts to help him in his new sanctioned and supported independent operator business and how cool is that kid working his way through college so glad to have you here with us on the clark howard show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make clark.com's our main website clarkdeals.com is where you can go to save money all through the christmas shopping season so you want to know how you conspire against your wallet and blow so much money there have been multiple stories just in the last week about how much money we're eating up of our monthly you know what we bring in each month with all these subscriptions and services we've signed up for and just on automatic pilot they hit your wallet again and again and again and one uh feature feature is a bad word for this one thing that businesses do with all these subscriptions is their perpetual renewals that until you get around to stopping them they're billing you i saw a funny story in business week where people end up subscribing to all different kinds of things that they don't even remember they did sign up for and the money just keeps coming out and there's everything you can pretty much imagine that is available there's even a subscription service for toothbrushes did you hear that toothbrushes i guess if it works so well for dollar shave club and harry's with the subscription programs for razors why not for toothbrushes too so i have a a simple thing i do is every 90 days when we change a season i change my toothbrush so i don't subscribe to anything i just remember every time we change so when we go to winter I'll change my toothbrush. When we go to spring, I'll change my toothbrush. I hope four times a year is enough. Joel, do you even have any idea how often you change out a toothbrush? I'm going to say probably three times, three or four times a year. But it's just kind of randomized? Yeah, yeah, always random. Yeah, I'm somebody who, uh, dates are like so like etched into my brain that I do things that way where it's all about certain dates that I get things done. And so I despise subscriptions because most of what we subscribe to, we really do with our busy lives, we forget. So here's an assignment for you. 
you have a gym membership that automatically renews. When's the last time you were at that gym? Hmm. Can't remember? Well, then you probably don't need to be in that gym membership. How about the Pilates or yoga or whatever that you're paying for every month? Are you actually going? How about the clothing subscriptions you might have? The video subscriptions? The razor subscriptions? The subscription for subscriptions? And we've had uh, bad feedback on any of the sites that say they'll help you with those subscriptions. This is something you need to take the time and do yourself. You got to sit down with your, uh, if you use a debit card, use a debit card, sit down with your checking account statement. If you use a credit card, sit down with your credit card statements, figure out what you're being billed monthly for and be the kind of thing, I don't remember signing up for that. When did I sign up for that? I signed up for that. Anyway, when you have that reaction, you need to can it. When you call to cancel one of these things or you try to do it online, a lot of them will be very difficult for you to deal with to cancel something. But when you finally get, yes, you're canceled, don't think you're really canceled. Watch your next month's statement and see if you're still being billed for it. Mary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mary. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you, Mary. So you could retire, but you like working. I, I do. I do. Uh, I like it. I like both the retirement and the pensions, but I'm also uh, still working uh, part-time. Great. Well, how can I so, be of service to you? Well, thank you, Clark. What I'm wondering is, since I am working, if I can still, up until I think age 70 and a half, if I can still contribute to an IRA? Well, actually, as long as you want, you should contribute to a Roth IRA. Oh. Because a Roth IRA has no mandatory time for withdrawal. So oh. you can you can stash seven thousand into your Roth each year, up to that. Let that money grow. Leave it alone. If you need it much later in your life, you spend it tax-free. If you don't need it much later in your life, it's actually a really good asset for a loved one to inherit. Oh. So a lot of people... A lot of people who are working and are already technically retired, but they're still working part-time or full-time, the go-to thing, the first priority is the Roth. Oh. Oh. Do you know where and how to open one? I, I could do that with my brokerage. Um, yes, I have an online brokerage and could do that with them. But what about a regular IRA? Is there a benefit? No, to, you don't want to do a regular that? IRA. Okay. No, there's, okay. you don't want to do that because then you put yourself into the straitjacket where you are going to be uh, putting that money into something that creates RMDs, required minimum distributions, and you could, with what would be required with those RMDs, actually push yourself into a higher tax bracket, which you want to avoid. And when you do the Roth, 
you're not going to get a current deduction, but you're only working part-time, so it's not like you're generating a massive tax bill each year. And so you put the money into the Roth, and then that just creates a pile of tax-free cash. Thank you. Certainly. I had no idea. Thank you so much. Well, I'm glad I could help. And if you want to know more about my strategies I recommend for that, you can look at my investment guide at Clark.com. But if I were in your situation, you're going to work part-time, how many more years would you guess? Three. Four, maybe. So you could go in with the money, a target retirement fund, 2020 or 2025. If you're not likely to need to draw on any of this money into the foreseeable future, I would put it in a target retirement fund 2025. Oh, oh, okay. So with with a a Roth IRA, all the low-cost companies offer these very inexpensive um, target retirement funds. You just throw the money in there. You don't have to worry about how it's invested. They do that for you. The risk quotient is pretty low because they know it's for somebody who would be very close to retirement. And then that money just grows for you as an additional reserve when you are retired and hopefully much later in your life. So give it a try. Gene joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Gene. Hi, Clark. Gene, you're going to relocate. I am. Uh, I am uh, relocating to uh, Colorado, actually. uh, Okay, this is impossible. Wait, wait, I got to stop you. That is the fourth call. You are the fourth call in two weeks from people who are relocating to Colorado. Where's Colorado going to put everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Well, from the home prices, I think think they're going to build and expand and take advantage of the upswing in the market. So where in Colorado are you headed? I'm headed to the Boulder area. Okay. Beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, I'm relocating with my company. And uh, first, I, I should say thank you for everything you and your team do, because I, I have I have uh, frozen my credit and taken all the steps that you've recommended and certainly appreciate all, all the advice. Um, I, I've always been conscious of my credit score, and, and it's, it's good. It's in the 830s. Wow. Um, you know, that's huge. Well, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it is, and it's work, but uh, it's good. But I, I do have to thaw my credit. I understand this for my new mortgage, and I plan to have a few different companies uh, provide quotations for it. Now, is that going to result in, in separate hits to the credit score? No. Um, you know, there's an expectation that when somebody applies for a mortgage or a car loan, that they're not Mm -hmm. buying multiple houses or multiple cars all at once. So all the applications for credit are treated as one application for credit. Typically, depending on the scoring model, all that occur in a 14-day period or a 30-day period. So what I like for you to do is really think through, make a list of all the mortgage lenders you want to get quotes from, and then do those applications all within a 14-day period 
and then on your credit it's just a single hard hit i mean you could go to 50 mortgage lenders and it would only be one hard hit on your score and what's a what's a typical time that i would need to thaw my credit uh to allow this to happen and then so all right so this is this is crazy okay when you're applying for a mortgage and then you're later going to close on a home gosh i hate to say this you need to thaw it for the anticipated period of time from when you first apply till when your home loan is closed oh wow because they're going to check your credit again and maybe again during the process of underwriting your loan and so you have a couple of things you can do if you you are as careful as you are you sound like you're pretty methodical you can thaw your credit for the two-week period you're going to put in the applications and then thaw it again a month or two later when it looks like you're closing in on when you're going to close on the loan. I see. And that way you don't leave yourself exposed as long. And okay. don't apply for any other kinds of credit through the time period leading up to when you, uh, all the way up to when you close on the new home loan. Because, Might I ask an adjacent question? Sure. So part of this uh, application and, and move, I was planning to change credit unions. And and uh, <clears throat> as such, I understand there's a soft hit that has to happen. So to become a new member, I have to apply. And I, I think there's a soft hit that occurs to my credit. So I have to thought for that. Would that be problematic? Should I worry about that now? Or no, that has. After? All right. So that has no effect on your score. A okay. soft inquiry does not affect your credit score in any way. It's only a hard inquiry, which is an actual application for credit. So when you go to open an account at a credit union or bank or whatever, a brokerage house, all three types of institutions run credit as their way of complying with the know thy customer rule and worrying about money laundering and all that. And so that's why you have to thaw your credit in order to open an account at a financial institution of any type. Okay. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. And how good are you as a skier? I'm a, I'm a solid blue skier, Clark. Uh, hopefully I'll get a little better, but I'm, I'm content as a blue skier. So if you're a blue skier, you live in the Northeast, New England. If you're a blue skier, if you're a blue skier in New England, you'll be able to ski Black Diamond in Colorado. Because that powder is so much easier to ski on, you got none of that, so. none of those icicles to worry about when you ski I'm in the rocks. I'm looking forward to that. Well, have a great time and don't break anything. I was just talking with a hand surgeon yesterday about how miraculous the surgery I had on my left hand when I broke it to pieces on a ski trip, and I'm almost good as new. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. And go to Clark.com slash ask. You check a box. Then I answer your question directly. Otherwise, we have other ways for you to get your question answered where you can talk with a member of Team Clark 42 hours each week. Or producer Joel can ask your question for you, which is what's going to happen right now. Yeah, let's do it. Kevin wrote and he said, Clark, what are your favorite apps for collecting rent from tenants? I've heard you mention Cozy.co. Is that the best one? Well, I've really liked Cozy because this is so 
terribly negative to say it. We never get complaints about it. <laughs> you know, anytime there's a service that's been around for a number of years and people aren't complaining, I'm happy. So Cozy is free for you as a landlord as an electronic way for you to actually get rent. And the reason, one of the reasons landlords like it so much is when people have to write a check that many times they don't quite get it in on time. But when it's debited and paid through the cozy system, the landlord gets the money if there's any money in the tenant's account. They got the money on the first day of the month, every month. The other thing for a tenant is that if a tenant doesn't have the money to pay rent, and they're going to face big uh, penalties for late payment of rent, they can use a credit card, but that'll cost 2.75% in merchant processing fees. But Cozy, see, and I should say again, it's not a .com. It's Cozy, C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. All right, Clark, Lillian says, I just wanted to tell you that I have a car that I bought new in the year 2000. I still drive it. It drives well at 19 years old, and I think it should go into your Hall of Fame for good cars still on the road. I don't even want to part with it, even though all my friends tell me I need to buy a new car. Didn't say what kind or how No, how I wish we knew. No, that'd be awesome to know the miles and the kind. So yeah. I'm so impressed. I remember, other than you know, show cars don't count and good weather cars don't count, the last time somebody tried to top everybody else, they were still driving as their daily driver a car from 1976. And I don't remember what kind of car that was. Do you remember what it no, was? No, but wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, Corbin, by the way, has a question for you too, Clark. He says, what exactly needs to be done to have a student loan forgiven while working for a nonprofit for at least 10 years? Oh my goodness. The rules are very arcane. We have a briefing for you at Clark.com. We also have a link for you to the exact, very hard to understand rules at the U.S. Department of Education site. But you have to do it right from the beginning and document exactly as required to get the loan forgiveness. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.